0: thank you that the praise has the power to break through. And we declare in this place that people are people of breaking through, that God is breaking us through into a new thing, a new season today. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to lift our eyes. We get to lift our eyes off the things of this world and we get to lift them to the mountains, to the hills, knowing where our help comes from. Knowing where our help comes from. We refuse to agree with the lies that we've been told. We refuse to agree with the fact that we won't make it. We won't grow. We won't amount to anything. We decide we decide, with our God that He is a God of breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your hand on the service, for your victory in this place. In your holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. It's so good, it's so good. Hey, let's give our team a hand as they take a seat. Awesome. You know, I, I love the series that we're in at the moment um, because, because it's, all about, it's all about our thought process. It's all about what we're thinking. And I love songs like the one we just sung because it forces us to believe for something bigger. It forces us to believe for something greater. You know, we, we, can, we can make that declaration. I refuse to agree with the lies that I've been told. You know, I don't know what the lies are that have been told and what have been sown into your life. But come on, let's be a people that refuses to agree with the lies that we've been told. Let's refuse to agree with the lies that have been spoken over our families. Let's refuse to agree with the lies that have been spoken over our city. Let's refuse to agree with the lies that have been spoken over our own individual lives. Because God sees something greater for you. Come on, church, you've got to be a little bit excited about that. God sees something greater for you than what you could ever imagine. Amen? Amen. When we look at the Bible, we see over and over again that He speaks to everyday ordinary people and He declares something phenomenal in their lives. Amen? Um, I, I love the story of Abraham. Everyone say Abraham. He'd been promised significant amount of children. He'd been promised something significant for so long, for so many years. But as life progressed, he just kept getting older and older and older. And the lies that were being told to him by his own physical body, the lies that were being told to him by the people around him was you're never going to have children. You're never going to amount to anything. And I wonder what lies you've been told this morning. Come on, that you're never going to achieve, that you're never going to step into the things that God's got for you. My Bible says that my God is greater, amen? My Bible says that our God can establish something within you which will be far greater than what you could ever, ever imagine, amen? And I want to tell you this morning, your thoughts matter. Turn to the person next to you and say, your thoughts matter, your thoughts matter. It's time to win the war on your mind. It's time to win the war on your mind. I, I know that for me, I can, I can have a great day and I can, I can have this powerful moment with God. But then seconds later, when something goes wrong, I'll reframe that and tell myself that I'm not worth anything or I can't amount to anything. And I think it's time for the church to arise into a place where they know who they are and whose they are. No longer for us to just sit back, no longer for us to just come to church on a Sunday and that's where we kind of feel our Christian um, sonship and daughtership come about. But you are a son of the king every single day. You are a son of the king every single moment. What does that mean? That means that you can live like royalty lives. You can live in abundance, you can live in bigness, you can live in massiveness with our God. That's what he's called you to. Yet we often are content enough to just settle back and to let our mind dominate who we are. We sit back and we let our mind tell us, oh no, no, that was was a young person's dream. You know, when when God told you you were going to see a city reached, that was a young person's dream. When God told you that all your children would know you, that was a young person's dream. That was a naive person's dream. When God told you that you had the power to speak into people's lives, that was was when you were naive. You didn't really know the realities of this world. When God told you that you would touch someone and they would be healed, that was just a naive person's dream. No, no, God is saying, you carry the power to bring about change, but change starts in our mind and it flows out into what God's called us to do. We cannot have a positive life if we have a negative lifestyle, if we have a negative mindset. We cannot have a positive life if our mindset is continuously negative. Come on, it's time for us to go to war in our mind, to win the battle in our mind, so that we are of use for God's kingdom out here. Come on, you cannot win the battle. How many of you know that King David, when he ran up to, the, to Goliath, part of him would have been a little bit afraid, but he psyched himself up in who God called him to be so that he knew what he was capable of. He said, it is the King of Israel, it is the God of Israel who's going to take down the giant today, because he knew that in himself he was nothing. But he won the battle in his mind so he could run out and see the giant defeated. Come on, church, it's time that we win the battle in our minds so that we can run out and see the enemy defeated. There is an enemy who wants your family. There is an enemy who wants your children. There is an enemy who wants your finances. There's an enemy who wants your job. There's an enemy who wants your school. But you have the power within you to come against that enemy and to make the declaration that God is greater. How you view the situation matters. And and we kind of come to the story of Abraham in just a moment in Genesis. And and, and where we find him is he's lived this life longing for great things of God, believing for great things of God. But the world came and and kind of took the rug out from underneath him. And, And we find him in a place where he's feeling miserable. He's feeling insecure. He's doubting the promises of God. And he's lying in his tent saying, God, there's nothing left for me. I wonder how many times you've gotten to that point. I wonder how many times I've gotten to that point where I'm like, God, I had this dream, I had this amazing thing planned, but as life's happened, as children's happened, as jobs have happened, as fights have happened, as arguments have taken place, all of a sudden I don't feel that dream birthed within me anymore. Here's where we find Abraham in Genesis, chapter 15, verses one to six. The Lord came to Abraham in a vision And he said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Come on, imagine coming to the creator of the universe when the creator of the universe comes to you and he says, come on, I am your shield, your very great reward. Don't be afraid. You're literally hearing the voice of God and you've allowed yourself to get to such a place in your mind, because the battle was in his mind, where he says, come on, God, what can you give me? What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, God. I'm not satisfied with the life that you've given me. I'm not satisfied with the clouds. I'm not satisfied with the storm. I'm not satisfied with the pain. I'm not satisfied with the sickness. I'm not satisfied with my kids that speak back to me. I'm not satisfied with the kids who don't clean their room. I'm not satisfied with my marriage. I'm not satisfied with my job. I'm not satisfied with the life you've given me, God. I'm just not satisfied. And God says this, this man will not be your heir, but a son of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then he took him outside. I think sometimes we need to take ourselves out of the picture of what we're looking at. He says, come on, Abraham, get out of your tent. And he says, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed him. Where was the battle won? The battle was won in his mind. Here he was, lying in his tent, feeling sorry for himself, lying in his tent, dissatisfied with his life, lying in his tent, complaining, whining about the state of affairs he'd found himself in. And when God changed the picture, God didn't change the, the, the sort of situation, but he literally took his eyes off one side and moved it to another side and said, look up to the sky. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from me. I am the Lord your God. I am the one who has promised you. I am the one who has made the declaration. How many of you know that the situation didn't change? Yeah, yeah. The situation was the exact same situation, but suddenly Abraham believed God. Why? Because God took his focus and shifted it And the battle was won in his mind. Come on, if you want to see what God has for you, come on, there are young people in this church that have got churches to plant. There are young people in this church that have ministries to step into. There are older people in this church that have got people to bring healing to, restoration to. But once we take our eyes off our situation and allow God to lift our eyes, that is when the battle in our mind is won. The battle in your mind is not won if you keep looking down. It's one when you say, God, if we can go to that scripture in Psalms, please Ben. God, I know that from you comes my help. Psalms Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains because where does my help come from? You know, we look for, we look for our help in our relationships. Like Rachel and I were having this, this wee friendly debate this morning, how I always lose everything in the house. Everything. Everything. Yesterday she had to find my shoes for me. And today she had to find my belt for me. Otherwise I'd come to church and my pants would fall down and it wouldn't be a pretty sight. And, 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 and somehow as our marriage has gotten, like we've been married for almost 15 years now, somehow it's almost like on my side, I'm, I'm dissing myself here. It's become an expectation when I've lost something, I just tell Rachel she finds it. How bad is that? Yeah, How mean, bad is that? I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing, what I'm trying to get at, I mean, I could ask Jesus where my belt was, that would be helpful. But we often turn to the people around us to look for the help that we need. Or we turn to our job to look for the help that we need. Or we turn to to um, um the government for the help that we need. We turn to, to the situation and, and the thing is this, yes, they can bring some relief, but the only one who is the real answer, who could bring about the real thing for you, who can really win the battle in your mind, who can shift your mindset, is Jesus where does my help come from? I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What is this simply saying? It's saying shift your focus. Shift your focus. You're filtered to think something negative right now, but shift your focus because as you do, you'll realize that God's actually got this and you don't need to worry the way you're worrying. You don't need to be in pain the way you are in pain. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen. God is so good. Where am I? Here I am. Your, your thoughts matter. Turn to the person next to you say, your thoughts matter. Your thoughts matter. You know you're always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What are your strongest thoughts right now? You're always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If your strongest thoughts are thoughts of insecurity, that's the way your life is heading. If your strongest thoughts are thoughts of worry, that's where your life is heading. But if your strongest thoughts are, man, I know that my situation might be a little bit dark, but my God is bigger, my God is stronger, my God is larger. That is where your thoughts are headed. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise for that. God is so good. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. This is the scripture of, of for the series. It says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power. Everyone say divine power. Divine power. To demolish strongholds. Everyone say demolish strongholds. demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive. Everyone go like this, take captive. Yes. Take captive. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. It doesn't say God takes captive every thought and makes it obedient. It says we make, take captive every thought and we make it obey the word of God. Come on, if you're going to live a negative life because of a negative mindset, you've got the power to bring the change. You've got the power to say, you know what, it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to demolish that stronghold by grabbing onto it. Maybe I've been looking at my marriage wrong. I'm going to grab that thought and I'm going to move it into the obedience of God. Maybe I've been looking at my kids wrong. Maybe I've been looking at myself wrong. I'm taking captive that very thought and I'm making it obedient to the voice of Christ. Come on, refuse to agree with the lies you've been told refuse to agree with the lies you've been told and take them captive and, 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 and place them in the hand of Jesus. Why, this, the apostle Paul is the one who wrote this. Why did this matter so much to Paul? Because he knew that if your life was gonna move in a direction of strength, you're gonna to have to win the battle in your mind. Yeah. He knew that to, to step into the things that God had, you're gonna to have to win the battle in your mind. You know, what we think about a situation changes the situation. What we think about a situation changes how we feel about the situation. And, and I believe that God's calling us to be a people who have this frame, this framework, that when storms come, we can know, hey, hang on a minute, my God is still good. Yeah. When the battles come, hey, wait a minute, this is pretty dark, but my God is still good. And as we do that, as we lift our eyes, if we change, as we change our focus to Him, what happens is something inside of us starts to bubble over. The victor inside of us, the conqueror in us, the overcomer in us starts to rise up and say, come on, I'm not going to be in that situation anymore. I'm changing my thinking. I'm changing, if you've been around the last few weeks, my the neural pathways in my mind. I'm changing my thoughts. I'm changing them. I'm changing from moving in this direction. That's where I'd naturally go, but I've taken it captive and I'm moving it into this direction. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. I'm making it obedient to Christ. Your brain will rewind itself another another word and I've asked Ben to throw up the definition for it another word I've been doing a bit of research who's proud of me come on I know I know I've been doing a bit of research and this word um cognitive bias everyone say cognitive bias basically means a mistake in reasoning based on personal preferences or belief a a mistake in in reasoning based on our own personal preferences, based on what we've experienced, based on our beliefs, it might not necessarily be true, but it's a cognitive bias is something that we ourselves have taught ourselves to believe to be true. This is the reason that two people can go to the exact same event and come out with two completely different mindsets of what's happened. For instance, like let's say um, you go to your boss for your annual, I've got a job review coming up, who else has job reviews, anyone love them? Anyone love your job reviews? Yeah. Yeah. You can go to your boss and you can get your job review and your boss can say to you, actually, Clarissa, I just want to tell you that you did some really great stuff in some areas, but there's this one area you really need to improve on. You need to make some changes. You can't keep going the way you're going. I love who you are, but you need to make a difference in that situation and, and make those changes and make them quickly because it's really holding you back. Clarissa's got two options based on her mindset based on what she's thinking the first option could be oh my goodness who does he think he is <laughs> who does my boss think he is what a beep 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 and she can tell everyone what sort of a horrible person her boss is and she can tear him to bits or the other person her co-worker might have the opposite effect She'd say oh my gosh my boss loves me that much that he would give me positive feedback the situation didn't change but the framework the thought process, the mindset was completely different. Another example, two different people walk into church. One person comes from a background where Christians have just hurt them and Christians have just destroyed them. When they were growing up, the, the church just wasn't good to them. And the other person had a great experience with church and loves everything about church. They can walk into a quippers on a Sunday morning. The first person is like, oh my gosh, no one talked to me. I sat on the back row and no one had a conversation with me. The music was too loud. I'm upset. The kids looked ugly and they didn't do any good dance moves. What is going on? And that's the one. one. The other one could be, oh my goodness, I know that this is, the place isn't perfect, but I could feel the presence of God. It was beautiful. Same service, two very different perspectives, two very different outlooks. Go a little bit deeper. Some of us have had a horrible relationship. Not me. My dad's here. Everyone wave at my dad. My dad. dad. Some of us have a a difficult relationship with our father growing up. Some of us have a difficult relationship with our dad. and, And then when we come into a church setting, we get told that God is our father. And because of the perspective we've carried, we then can't open up to God, our father. Does it change who God is? Does it change the fact that God is loving, graceful, merciful, and will do anything to see us succeed? No, it doesn't. It's simply the filter through which we are looking. It's simply the framework through which we are looking at the situation. A a cognitive bias is a personal thought that something might be true even though it's not. A mental filter that impacts how we think. It's not the facts that are different, it's the filter. It's not the facts that are different, it's the filter. Like we can look at a situation and, and wonder why someone's thriving and we're just surviving. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter through which we are looking, through which we are looking at the situation. How we think determines so much of how we live. What goes into our minds comes out in our lives. That's why we've got a war on our minds. That's why we've got a battle in our minds. Last week, um, I looked at, I said I was going to try and teach you two disciplines throughout the series. Last week, we looked at training our mind, meditating on what was good, pure, holy, trustworthy, taking captive those thoughts and bringing them to Jesus and meditating on what his word says, refusing to agree with the lies. That's what we looked at this week. This last week, this week, I want to look at reframing. Everyone say Reframing reframing our minds. This is the definition of the word reframing, if we can have that up, Ben. It says this, creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. It's creating a different way of looking at something and then changing the effect that it has on our lives. Rachel and I have been through some pretty um, dark spots when it comes to finances in our early married years. Like we came through into some spots where we really had no idea how we were going to pay the mortgage, how we were going to feed our children. It was fairly difficult. My mindset is always to be pretty negative in those sorts of situations. I'm just like, oh my goodness, everything is falling apart. I'm going to quit my Bible college course and I'm going to quit everything we're doing and I'm going to go and work for my dad and he's going to pay me and it's going to be fantastic. Whereas Rachel's always like, no, no, no. Did you hear the word of God? Did you hear the voice of God? Was this what he called us to do? And and I had to listen to that and literally reframe the way I was thinking so that I could carry on in the call of God. If I hadn't had an awesome, wise person like my wife constantly in my ear, how many husbands are blessed to have their wives constantly in their ear. Like if if I didn't have my Rach constantly in my ear saying, no, 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 but you know that God called you to do this. If God called you to do this, he will see it through. I would not be where I am today. I'd probably be milking cows on the West Coast. If that's what you want to do, that's exciting, but that's not what God called me to do. You know what I mean? Like It's a simple reframing, changing, creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship so it changes its meaning. I had to change the meaning of, I could look at that and say, God, you failed me. I, you, you told me to do this, and, and now you're not coming through. Or I could change it. I could reframe it and say, God is teaching me a valuable lesson, which is going to shape me, which is going to bring me into spaces that I could never imagine being in at this moment. Come on, allow God to reframe your thinking, to change your situation. I've, um, I've got this awesome piece of artwork here, which I'll start auctioning off right now. Um, who gives me 300, 400, 500? Thank you, thank you. Have, like anyone with kids here, like our kids went through this phase, where like, oh, I bet you one million bucks, you can't do that, and I'll be like, Okay, I'll take you up on that offer, and then they come up to you and like start head bucking you. One buck, two buck. Any of your kids did that or is that just my kids? Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, my kids are slightly weird then. But anyway, so here's this picture. Everyone say, Wow. wow. It's beautiful, it's beautiful. What kind of day are we having? I'm not even hearing anything you're saying, but what kind of day are we having? Is it, a, it could be a great day. It could be a great day. It could be an average day. It could be a very, very bad day. The answer is, it's determined by how we look at it. It's determined by how we frame it. If we, if we look at it in this frame, we can say, we're having a bad day. It's such a dark place. I'm overwhelmed by the way my life is right now. I'm overwhelmed by the pain. I'm overwhelmed by the struggle. I knew that people would hurt me. I knew that people would come against me. I knew that God wasn't really for me. I knew that I would run out of money. I knew that my kids didn't love me. I knew that my, my, my relationship and my marriage wasn't as strong as the neighbors. I knew this, I knew this, I knew this. But if we change the framework, if we reframe it, it's the same situation, but suddenly everything looks a lot brighter. And we're like, you know what? Things might look a little bit dark at times, but I know my God is for me. Sometimes I struggle with finances, but I know that my God is with me. Sometimes I find things difficult, but I know that my God never leaves me or forsakes me. Sometimes my wife and I fight, but I know that God has got our marriage in His hand. Sometimes my kids don't do what I tell them, but I know that God's promised me that they will end up living a life for Him. Come on, reframe the way you're thinking reframing the way you're thinking it's time to change the outlook because the picture is the same but the framework the filter is different what filter are you looking at life through right now what filter are you looking at life through? because it will determine your future it'll determine your destiny it'll determine how you step into the call of God you know I, I have people come to me quite regularly that say you know I really felt called into something significant into greatness but as life's progressed, I, I no longer feel that way and I feel like I've never achieved anything that God has called me to achieve. And I'm here to tell you the one, number one reason it's taking place is because we simply will not reframe the way we look at our situations. Sure, your marriage might be on the rocks right now, but you serve a God who is far greater, far stronger, far more capable. Sure enough, you might doubt your ability to step into the call of God right now, You might doubt your significance, but in his word he says that you were beautifully made, that you were wonderful, that the destiny he has for you is so significant. It's time to reframe, to create a different way of looking at a situation, to create a different way of looking at a relationship by changing its meaning, changing its meaning. It's not the fact that's changed, but it's the filter. You cannot control what happens to you. This is pretty wise, write it down. You cannot control what happens to you, but you do control how you frame it. You do control how you frame it. I know some people that have been on, gone through some pretty dark situations recently, and it's all been about how they've framed it. It's, it's, it's been the result of how they've come out the other end. Come on, it's how you frame it. It's how you move forward. You know, I just thought life would be better at this point. You know, I, the Apostle Paul, he was great at reframing and and one of his greatest desires, um, one of his greatest dreams, was that he would get to preach in Rome. Um, Rome was like the, the central point of that, of that world at, at that time. It was like where everything happened. If something significant happened, it happened in Rome first. And, and Paul's dream was to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in Rome. Good dream? Good dream? It's a great dream. That was his dream. But, but what we don't realize is that in the life of the Apostle Paul, he didn't get to Rome as a preacher he ended up getting to Rome as a prisoner. He, he wanted to go preach the gospel, but he ends up getting to Rome as a prisoner instead. He, he, instead of being the preacher, the mighty preacher that he thought he would be in Rome, he ends up being there as a prisoner shackled and tied to the guards and to the, to the concrete blocks. Instead of being able to step out and the declare what God had for him, to declare the gospel, he was in there stuck with just one or two people at a time, and, and he had every possibility to simply whine about the situation. Like, this is what Paul would have said in the NWV version, which is the new winers version. Okay, just for those of you who have no idea that that doesn't exist, this is what he would have said in the new winers version. Says this, he would have said, I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me completely sucks, it's awful. As the result of the hell I've been through, I'm going to quit my e-group and I'm going to leave this church. Come on, that's the new Winer's version. That's what so many of us do as Christians. I can't believe this. As a result of everything I've been through, I'm just going to quit on church. I'm going to quit on my friends. I'm out that door and you'll never see me again. That's the new Winer's version. doesn't exist except for in a lot of people's hearts. New wine is this. Is what Paul really says. If I can have that up on the screen, he says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what what has happened to me. I'm in jail. I'm in prison. Has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, as a as a result, it has become clear that throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So here he's saying, my situation is awful. He's not denying it. It's dark. But what God is doing is far more significant. Whatever I tried to do in the past, whatever I tried to do in my own strength, I could never do. But now what I'm able to do in his strength is far more beautiful, far stronger, far better. I I, I was able to, I I love the fact that he was chained to guards. I can guarantee. To you. That would have been on eight hour shifts, four hour shifts. The Apostle Paul would have been like, you know what? The situation's pretty dark, but I've got two people that don't know Jesus who are chained to me. Who's the real prisoner here? Who's the real prisoner? I'm going to tell them about Jesus. For eight hours, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear all about it. Come on. How are you going to look at your situation? Are you going to look at your situation as the end of it all? Or are you going to look at your situation as man? Even in this, God is good. Even in this, my God is good. Give him a hand. He's awesome. It's not the facts that are different. It's not the facts that are different. It's what we do with them. Just before we finish, I want to finish on time today. I always say that never happens. Three ways of reframing your mindset. Three ways of reframing the situation. The first one is this. Thank God for what didn't happen. Number one, thank God for what did not happen. Like, we can get all upset about what did happen without even realising that God was actually protecting us from something greater that was about to happen. The other day I was in the airport, and this seems to happen a lot in Nelson these days. I'm there, I'm checked in, I'm ready to get on board, and then you hear across the intercom, "Um, just want to let you all know that there's a slight delay mechanical error, a slight delay, engineering problem, we will let you know in five minutes of a new boarding time and five minutes later, we'll let you know in 10 minutes of a new boarding time and then literally 15 minutes later, they're like, "Um, actually the flight has been canceled due to engineering errors, we can no longer send you to Auckland, please go to the desk and we'll give you a new time of flying and the new time of flying that I got was literally half an hour before I had to fly back. So I was like, thank you very much, pay me my money back and I'll be happy with that. But I was pretty grumpy for a little bit there. And I was talking to the lady, and she was feeling very flustered, so I got real friendly because I felt sorry for her. But I was upset. But the thing is, what I, came to, what I come to realize, what I come to think about later, is that I would rather be upset down here, wishing I was up flying in the sky, than up on some plane with mechanical errors, wishing I was down on the ground. Come on, how are we gonna look at the situation? I say thank you Air New Zealand for not flying me to Auckland in a plane that's about to fall apart. I mean, what would I rather have? What would I rather have? It's not, we need to, we need to thank God for what didn't happen. Yeah. Yes, it sucks that I didn't get to go to the meeting that I really wanted to go to, but thank you, Jesus, that I didn't crash land that plane. Like, come on, well, thank the Lord for what didn't happen. Thank God for what he's protecting us from that we'll never know, that we'll never see. Whenever you are where you don't want to be, you can recognize that the situation could be a lot worse and thank God that it didn't happen reframe your mindset every now and then we need to get some perspective I didn't get my project done on time so I'm not going to get the bonus that I wanted but at least I've still got my job you know my marriage is not where it is but at least I know that I'm with someone who will never leave me and God's got this. You know, my kids might not always listen to me, but at least I know that, that God's got my back, and that we can lift this situation. And He's protecting me from far greater things. Come on, God's got your back. The second one is this: to so thank God for what didn't happen. Secondly, practice pre-framing. Everyone say pre-framing. pre-framing. This is what pre-framing is. Does anyone ever go to a, an event that they really don't want to go to, and beforehand, <laughs> and someone's like, "I'm at church, aren't I?" <laughs> 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 but you know and you're, and you're like you've got to go to this job thing or this, this work thing or whatever and, and all day you've been telling yourself man I don't I don't want to do that I don't want to hang around those people how about you change the framework and you say you know what I don't get along with everyone that's there but I know that God's called me to do something significant he's called me to speak into that situation and chances are it'll change the whole thing that's taken place the amount of times that I hear people say oh it's just going to be another one of those days It's just going to be another one of those days. Practice pre-framing. Sure, right now your job might not be the most positive place to be, but God's called you to be there. He's called you to bring in an abundance for your family. He's called you to make a difference in the lives of your co-workers. He's called you to make a difference. Practice pre-framing. Say thank you to Jesus for what didn't happen. Practice pre-framing. And secondly, and thirdly, sorry, Train yourself to look for God's goodness in every situation. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, come on. Some of us look for death. Some of us look for neg- negativity. We're like a hawk that's like looking for roadkill. It's true. Oh my gosh, the bullet gorge. We drive through the other week. Richard knows. The other week I had a collision with this massive possum, which is ginormous. And, and, and it dented the front of my car and Richard worked his miracles and it's no longer as dented. Now it's the back that's dented. We'll talk about that later, Richard. <laughs> um, and there's this, like, the hawks fly through a beautiful place looking for death, looking for negativity because that's what they feed on. Whereas the sparrow will look through or the hummingbird will fly through or whatever will look through looking for the sweetness, the butterflies, the bees. What is it that you want to be? Do you wanna be someone who, who travels through life hunting the negativity out? I'm telling you, I pastor this church and I love this church with every part of who I am, but if I wanted to be a hawk looking for negativity and death, I would find it in this very house. I would find plenty of things I don't like about this place. And I'm the pastor. I'm just being honest, but I don't because I look for the goodness of God. I look for the goodness of God. I come into here and go, no, no, even in the broken places, there is something beautiful. Even with the darkest hearts, there is something significant. Even in the deepest addictions, God can bring out something amazing. Come on, walk into here looking for the goodness of God and you'll find it. Walk into here looking for negativity and death, you'll find that also. Come on, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Thank God for what didn't happen. Pre-frame your thoughts and train yourself to look for God's goodness in every situation. The truth is you'll find what you're looking for. Your eyes will see the negativity if you are carrying a negative filter. But if you're looking for the good, if you're looking where God is working, if you're looking for the best in people, you'll find that. um, Yannicka and Wayne, where are you guys right now? At the back there with baby Micah sitting together, perfect, right in front of me. One thing I've just always loved about Yannicka and Wayne as a couple, and and most of you would know that is my sister, is that they're outlook on life can sometimes be the complete opposite of the situations that they're going through. Like I've seen them countless times face battles, which I don't know whether I would have survived or whether I would have crumbled. Yet the outlook, their, their love for Jesus has created something completely different. As most of you know, baby Micah, after being born, about a week old, was he? He ended up having to go into hospital, hospital for emergency surgery on his heart. I will spare the details. Talk to them if you aren't aware. Um, and, and, and it was pretty dark. Like it was like Yannick had to leave a, and Wayne had to leave a whole bunch of kids behind and didn't even really get to say goodbye and just fly up to be with Micah, which of course any parent would do. But it's a situation that a lot of us would crumble under. And I just remember like on Facebook, we could have this mindset. But I just remember and I did ask Yannick's permission to read this. I remember on Facebook, like a week or so after it took place, this is what Yannick said. Hang on, it's just opening up. She's this, I'm not just enduring, I'm advancing. In every new season, you reveal a whole new aspect of yourself. Whatever I face, I know that your goodness and mercy follow me everywhere. But not just that, I know that you go before me. I know you have been where I need to go and have put all things in place for me to advance through it victoriously. To top it off, you cushion me on every side with your unending love and unexplainable peace. So with every new experience, whether good or bad, I hope to shine your light a little brighter, to display your love a little more extravagantly and to fulfil every good deed you have prepared in advance for me to do. The same picture, your baby's in hospital going through surgery, the same picture, you could look at it this way. The facts didn't change. He was in pain, he was in agony, but the the viewpoint, the framework, the focus changes absolutely everything. It determines your future, it determines how you live your life, it determines the peace you carry. You know, the thing is this, the Bible promised us a peace beyond understanding. The Bible promised us a peace beyond understanding, a grace that's with us all times, a peace beyond understanding, but what we don't realise is to receive it, we need to be going through something we don't understand. God, I don't understand why someone so young has to be hospitalised, I don't get it. But I know that you are good. God, I don't understand why my family is falling apart, but I know that you are stronger. God, I don't understand why life can be so difficult, but I know that you are good to me every single day. Church, it's time to reframe the way you look at situations. We can't passively allow stuff to happen to us. We've gotta pre-frame, we've gotta be prepared to say, no, 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 no. even in my darkest times, my God is good. Let's stand before Him today. Get a spiritual filter. Just as the team leads us in. I, I I just really feel this. To get a spiritual filter. Get a spiritual filter. Look at your situations. Don't interpret God through your circumstance. Rather, interpret your circumstance through the goodness of God. Don't interpret God for your circumstance. My life's pretty crap right now. That must mean God's not for me. No, 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 do the opposite. My, my situation is difficult, but I know in God I have the strength to do all things. I know that though the pain is there, I will rise above like the eagle. I'll not be a chicken clucking around in my pain, but I will rise up as an eagle and soar above everything that I'm facing, every difficulty, every challenge. Come on, God has got this. But sometimes it's simply our own mindsets that keep us small. Last week, train your mind to think on the good things of God. This week, frame the situations through God's goodness, through His grace. Lord, we just thank you in this space. We just thank you that you are a God of grace, that you are for us, that we can get rid of our negative default filter. We can get rid of our negative mindsets around church, around relationships, around our own selves. We can get rid of the negativity around our children. We can get rid of the negativity around our own insecurities. And we can say, no, 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 my God is for me. He's so much stronger. He's so much greater. I'm seeing him lift up. The facts might not change, See, this is the thing, church. The facts might not change, but because our filter changes, everything else does. The facts might not change, but because your outlook changes, everything else does. Lord, we thank you for changing people's filters today. Come on, church. We thank you, Lord, for changing our situations because you've changed our focus. You've changed the way we look at things. Thank you, Jesus, that sometimes we find ourselves in difficult situations because it grows us and it changes who we are from the inside out. Lord, we thank you that though the situation itself hasn't changed, you've changed so much on the inside of us. You've changed who we are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We lift you up. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you hope of a life spent with you